1: Last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, presented by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Don't forget about Josh Palmer. We're talking about Josh Palmer. Wait, that's the guy they added. Wait, oh, oh, shit. That's all I'm saying. So he's a
0: great guy to add. And edible arrangements. They should send Julio and those are delicious. That'll fix it. He'll call up Shannon Sharp right away and be like, bro, I'm staying. This edible arrangement's delicious. Call me back in a year. And. But the day three picks that make some noise, like, Rar! just a little growl, right? Just a little growl sound. Rar! And. Oh, is this, a, is this a typo? Is this some kind of glitch? How did I not get Troutman? And then, you know, you send the offer, and it's LOL, Podfather's trying to get Troutman. Ha ha. It's so funny. And I'm like, oh, mother fuck. Damn it. Damn it. And. And the data's like, hey, listen, guys. Uh, data speaking, you're well on your way to being hashtag good at football. That's all I'm saying. And. Hey. Just one injury. 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 One injury away.
1: Hey. 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 And What's up? <laughs> all right, fuck it. I'm out of here. That's the kind of shit. That's why they tune in. <laughs> That's why they show up. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Tri- Jesus. I truly appreciate that my time is valued. And you should be on Dynasty Reddit with that kind of analysis. <laughs> Spend the rest of my day giving nuanced takes for free. Uh, no, sir. No, thank you.
0: Dynasty Reddit can suck it. And you know I love Tom Brady. I have a Tom Brady doll. Don't think about that any more than you have to. Please, Tom, you already have a fake face. You already have fake social media.
1: Please don't do steroids. And not as thick as it is right now, but I usually I have a beard year round. And Michael Thomas is sex. And Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And. He was so good, he was tackled by the penis.
0: And. This is Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals, and you're listening to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. Brilliant!
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me in a red wig today, for some reason, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. The pre-show was
0: great, Matt. This wig is adorable, and Dynasty Reddit is adorable. Dynasty Reddit is absolutely adorable. They can't post there without mentioning the podfather. If you're going to post on Dynasty Reddit about podcasting or fantasy analysis it always inevitably devolves into some debate about the podfather and i absolutely love it there was an announcement made breaking news announcement christopher harris might do an ama (laughs) Like breaking news and and you'll be joined by the dynasty nerds christopher harris joined by the dynasty nerds breaking news on dynasty reddit and it was like yay, yay! oh great we got christopher harris wow we got the dynasty nerds to do an ama wow did the dynasty turds not know to do amas on dynasty reddit how oblivious do you have to be to not know that if you specialize in Dynasty, that you would do AMAs on Dynasty Reddit. They didn't know that someone from Dynasty Reddit had to go announce to them that it's a good idea to do an AMA there. They had to be invited. I've done countless AMAs on Dynasty Reddit. It's been hell, but I loved it. It was it was a kind of hell where I enjoyed it. Like when you're you're at the fire pit, your face is hot, your your skin's burning. But you, you, you love it. Like, you love the grill. You love the fire pit. Just get in there on Dynasty Reddit. I love the excitement that they were showing me Christopher Harris. This is a big deal, guys. It's a big get. We got, <laughs> we got him.
1: We got him.
0: We got Christopher Harris. And we got the Dynasty turds to finally wake up and realize we exist. And it's an awesome opportunity. Duh. But we got Christopher Harris. That was. Breaking news. Christopher Harris is interesting because he is the sort of signature film grinder podcaster, the antithesis of what we do with analytics and advanced metrics. And the reason why we've won the analytics versus tape war, it's over. Like the good guys won, it's because analytics is just probabilities defining possibilities just allows you to put up guardrails on your player analysis and your strategy. And that way we have fewer takes that fly off into outer space. It tethers us to Earth, to this range of probabilities. So we, as long as we stay within this narrow band of probabilities that the Breakout Finder app sets for us, that the Dynasty Dominator app sets for us, that Player Profilers metrics set up for us, then we are very rarely in out of our depth with the player analysis or the strategy. Like at no point did we ever consider touting Devin Singletary over Miles Sanders like Christopher Harris. But this is what happens. If you're not tethered to planet Earth, then you might watch some fuzzy, grainy Florida Atlantic film and think that the small, slow running back will translate to the NFL. Like, oh, he's breaking a bunch of tackles against Florida Atlantic competition. Oh, he's going to be impossible to stop in the NFL. I love this Devin Singletary. But as it turns out, these critical data points like size and speed score, target share, they matter, they matter. And so for those reasons, it was never a consideration to put Devin Singletary anywhere close to Miles Sanders' universe. Right. And now we look up and Devin Singletary doesn't have a job that encapsulates the value of analytics. It's not so much that you hit more home
1: runs. It's more that there are fewer strikeouts every time a player like Kareem Hunt comes from where he came from and does what he did. Those are the guys that continue to propel this. Right. Like that's the way I look at it, because he was sort of the the tape grinders love that year. He was a guy that had later round draft capital than some other running backs. He was a success at the NFL level. And they said, look, we were right about this guy. And it doesn't usually work out this way that you get a productive player like Kareem hunt. But exactly to your point, the analytics help us make more nuanced, smart decisions than going way out there based on bias, based on what you claim to see on film and making some crazy swing for the fences that you hope sticks because you want to pull that receipt right you want to pull
0: that receipt so you end up skiing off the trail and you're in the woods and suddenly it's getting dark and you're sinking into the snow and you don't know where you are (laughs) that's where you find yourself i don't have any Devin singletary at all i have no Devin singletary and it was amusing to see this breaking news announcement we got christopher harris we got him we got him we got him everybody So there there was some celebration of the the big get of Christopher Harris, the raging Devin Singletary tout. It was just adorable to see that they just couldn't stay away from the Podfather's gravity. The post descends into a debate about the Podfather, where at the end, they're reliving the debate about the Hack Together draft guide and the interview that I had with the Dynasty Reddit moderator, SAS Shampoo. Here, here's one. Let me just read this to you. Remember, this was an enthusiastic announcement about the getting of Christopher Harris and the waking up of the Dynasty turds. And they start talking about whether or not we won the war against the content exploiters. And then someone writes, oh, I felt the central issue was getting copy approval with credit given on the front page and beside every player stat is fundamentally different from a version with credit included in small print on the back page. You can complain about the tone, but the grievance was entirely legitimate. And I heard no convincing argument against that. And then the response was, I agree with the grievance. After all this time, months go by, and finally, there's agreement on a completely unrelated thread that we won, that we were right. It took them more than a month to, like, circle back and keep talking about me. They're obsessed, Nate. I love
1: it. You've left your mark on Dynasty Reddit. I've seen threads about just you for whatever reason. I've seen... Threads about the Breakout Finder app, which devolves into a Matt Kelly argument. I mean, this is just one more case where here it goes. Right. My greed. Right, your greed. (laughs) It's adorable.
0: Please. Please, Dynasty Reddit, never stop. In my head, I just have a counter, right? I'm just counting it down. As I'm reading these threads about other analysts, other podcasts, I'm counting it down. Three, two, one. Okay, now the Podfather thread starts. (laughs) That's how it goes. Uh, It's real love. It's real love. I am just basking in it. I'm I'm basking in it. Just lurking, lurking on these threads. Just basking in, in the glory of the obsession. So we talked about Miles Sanders has maintained his dynasty value in a way that Devin Singletary has not. But... I have to admit that there are real concerns about Miles Sanders. And whenever I have the chance to push the draft player button on Miles Sanders, in both dynasty and seasonal leagues, I must admit, I have to admit, I will admit, I get nervous. I, I just get a little, I don't feel as confident pushing that draft
1: player button on Miles Sanders as I should. Do you understand this phenomenon? For sure. I mean, we see this in a lot of other places as well. When you have a guy that's two years in the league now, going into year three, hasn't been as productive as we had hoped. And we can rationalize away some of that production, which I think we're going to get into And then you think, okay, they've added a couple pieces to the backfield. If he doesn't produce in year three, he loses work. And by year four, he gets replaced by another running back, whether it's a free agent, whether it's a rookie. So I think that runs through your head as you're sitting there prepared to draft him. Yeah, he needs to perform this year. Like This is a
0: make-or-break season for Miles Sanders' career. If he doesn't fire this year, his value could crater. right? Because last year, he was considered a bust. He was. He was a bust last year. If you look back and you zoom out, Miles Sanders has one good football season. And that season was not at the professional level. That was at the college level. His final year at Penn State, that was his one great season. That's it. He's never had a great NFL season. He had one good college season. That season is the basis, the kernel from which all the Miles Sanders
1: enthusiasm sprouts from. And that is scary. Well, I mean, let's look at it this way. So for starters, when we look at Miles Sanders, he's 24 years old, right? So he's younger than all the players we are going to start having some uncomfortable conversations about in the future, whether it's Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. There's a conversation to be had about all these guys may not be this year. It's probably going to start next year. But if you were going to take a shot on any player to succeed based on the production that's already happened, it would be a guy that looks like miles Sanders, right? A guy that's ultra athletic. There's no real world beater competition, even though they added Gainwell behind him, a later pick the offensive line is going to be healthier. They lost massive parts of that early on last season, a change at quarterback. And the fact that we love that he is a, an absolute monster in the pass catching game, which we hope gets an uptick. Now, This is a guy that was number seven in routes run last year in 12 games, 4.3 targets a game. So the numbers are there. If he played a full season last year, I think the numbers would have looked better. Here's a comparison I want to make, though, because I think what gets thrown at him oftentimes is the fantasy points per game. And I don't think he's so dissimilar in a lot of ways to Joe Mixon. This is another guy who hasn't produced a per-game fantasy status for a lot of guys over most of his career. These are two guys who actually average less than .4 touchdowns per game. So they are some of the lowest in the league. And they have less than eight touchdowns in any point in their seasons of their whole career. So both of these guys don't score touchdowns, which is a huge problem at the running back position. Especially in Sanders' case, because his touches are a lot less than Joe Mixon. But I want to give you one stat. Does this blew my mind? I did this deep dive on this. This is going to blow your fucking mind. If you took the last two seasons of Miles Sanders' production and the last two seasons of Joe Mixon's production and we put all those carries together, you would have 740 rush attempts and 17 touchdowns. Derrick Henry last year, 378 rush attempts, 17 touchdowns, which really illustrates that these two guys don't score any touchdowns and that definitely hurts their production. But... You obviously, as well as I do, like Mixon a little more because the situation around him feels more clear. We like Mixon a little
0: bit more, but we have both outside the top 12 dynasty running backs. They're very similar. They're adjacent in the rankings because they are similar players with similar track records, similar upside, but there is a risk quotient associated with Mixon with Miles Sanders because they haven't delivered that dominant season that soothes you, right? Saquon Barkley gave it to you right away. Year one, 120 targets, just melted fantasy football. Done. There's no more concerns that Saquon Barkley's not awesome in all phases. Like he addressed those right away in year one. Miles Sanders has not yet addressed those. Like, what is the workload going to be? He only had one game with 20 carries in 2020. He's now tethered to a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks check down less frequently. And then they go out and they draft Kenny Gainwell, who should be deployed in passing situations and throttle some of Miles Sanders' targets. So those are the cons, right? Those are the cons. They're also pros. Like He was number six last year in opportunity share. When Miles Sanders was healthy, when he was playing in those 12 games, he commanded over 75% of running back carries and targets, which was easily top 10 and super encouraging. And he has those data points on his profile that you look for. He's 210 plus pounds. He has well above average athleticism across the board, especially in the explosiveness and the agility departments. And he does have that one dominant college season that proved that he can be a bell cow. And it's interesting that though Mobile quarterbacks tend to check down less. Miles Sanders' target share with Jalen Hurts was higher than with Carson Wentz last year. And even if he only gets 15 carries a game, so what? So what? The additional five carries that a running back commands are much less significant than the targets he's getting. Targets are so much more valuable than carries that if you're getting a couple more carries a game, that's not going to move the needle. You get a couple more targets a game... That's everything. And when you look at the snap share, the snap share is even more encouraging than the opportunity share. Because you look at snap shares around 90% for a bunch of games last year. Very few running backs are able to command a 90% snap share in any given game. Miles Sanders was doing that frequently last year. And like you said, the offensive line is rejuvenated, and they're going to be playing games in the best place to score fantasy points in 2021 the NFC East. So on balance, I'm still a buyer of Miles Sanders, but they go out and they draft Kenny Gainwell, who threatens the target share. They go out and they sign Kerrion Johnson, who threatens the red zone touches. So we're not sure exactly how Miles Sanders is perceived by Philadelphia management. We know how Dallas feels about Ezekiel Elliott. We now know how... Cincinnati feels about Joe Mixon they sign him to the big extension. We're not as certain about how Philadelphia feels about Miles Sanders. And I think that is the source of the uncertainty and why we have a Joe
1: Mixon 10 lifetime value rating points ahead of Miles Sanders. They're really close and nobody would be surprised if Sanders was this guy that he was touted to be last season, right? We heard he was supposed to be this game breaker, top 10 player. Lots of injuries to the O-line, a change of the quarterback position. But as you mentioned, even if the rush attempts are a little lower, if the target share is high, that's all that matters. And Scott Barrett notoriously dug up a statistic back in the day that a target is worth 2.74 times more than a carry in PPR leagues. So if you're being targeted, it is a huge deal. That's a stat now on playerprofiler.com. Weighted opportunities. Thank you to Scott Barrett. And to the other point about Gainwell... Um I carry on Johnson in theory these guys will hurt target share in theory it could hurt rush attempts I do believe if Sanders gets out to a hot start They're going to try to keep him on the field as much as they can. We know that a running back that stays on the field that has a three-down skill set is more valued to a team than switching a guy in that has a more obvious reduced skill set. You know that Deion Lewis is in for a passing down. You know We know that Derrick Henry is going to run. Whoever comes in behind him is probably going to catch the ball. So you can can play poker a lot easier with a guy that can stay on the field on all downs, and Miles Sanders is that guy.
0: That's right. He's bigger than Kenny Gainwell, so Kenny Gainwell's not a threat to his role as the primary back. And when we were stress testing the cheat sheet for the world-famous draft kit, playerprofiler.com forward slash draft kit, Josh Larkey is the maestro of the rankings and the projections for the draft kit. And I challenged him on Miles Sanders, and he said, listen, the NFL clearly does not believe Kenny Gainwell is as good as you do, or as good as Ray Garvin thinks, or as good as a lot of smart fantasy gamers think. You can't assume that Kenny Gainwell is going to cannibalize significant targets from Miles Sanders as a day three pick until we see
1: it. That's Josh Larkey's position, and it's a strong one. Yeah, he's he's right. That's I mean, that's kind of how I view it as well. You've got to unless you're a guy with serious draft capital, or if it was, say, Philip Lindsay who had signed with this team, that would be a case where I would show concern. It's proven at the NFL level they invested in him. But a fifth-round pick, again, in theory, it's possible. But clearly, Miles Sanders is the guy. Otherwise, they would have brought in somebody far more significant in a a, a free agent class that had a ton of options.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, Josh Larkey does have concerns about a player that we all love in a vacuum, DJ Moore. Are you worried about DJ Moore on what will likely be a
1: slow Carolina offense with Sam Darnold at the helm? I don't think I'm as worried as a lot of people probably are. We know things can change from year to year, and we haven't seen Darnold in this offense. We know that Darnold is a far riskier passer than what we saw from Bridgewater so in that sense we'll at least see probably more explosive attempts but the thing about DJ Moore we've been talking about him for years and one day you look up and DJ Moore is 24 years old it's really weird how fast this all happens they feel like we've lost a little time and we're waiting for this elite breakout almost Justin Jefferson like season from him that just really hasn't manifested yet But no, I'm not as worried as other people, and part of the reason is that 2020, I think people are forgetting just how explosive DJ Moore actually was in this year because it felt like a letdown, but he actually outproduced his season prior to this on nearly 20 less targets, which would be the equivalent of two full games played. Top 12 in all air yard metrics realized and unrealized, top 12 in all routes run metrics, I'm not super worried. Yeah, he was
0: number 12 in yards per route run. He was super efficient last year, and he had to be because he commanded less than 120 targets. Now, the reason why we're still bullish on DJ Moore in Dynasty, but not in seasonal leagues, is because historically, DJ Moore has been elite. When you look back at receiving yards prior to age 24, DJ Moore is top 10 all time. When you're in the same class as a Randy Moss historically, then it's all going to work out. The quarterback situation will eventually improve. The offense will eventually speed up. He's just 24 years old. There's no concerns with DJ Moore. His playing style, they're successful into their early 30s. We have many years ahead of DJ Moore being fantasy relevant and top 20. It might not happen this year, but he's going to be a candidate for many, many years to come. So there's no reason why we should discount him in Dynasty just because we believe he will miss expectations this year in seasonal leagues. Now, you can go ahead and put him on the block. Just make sure you're getting full freight back in return. That's
1: all. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to move DJ Moore whatsoever. And I, I don't think you are either. Again, 24 years old. I'm willing to trade anyone, anytime. Every player has a price, Nate. Here's my thing. DJ Moore, I would rather wait till we get in season when he starts playing well to trade him because I think he's at too much of a discount right now. And I only say this because Robbie Anderson had this shockingly relevant season last year, which kicked off all these tweets that were Robbie Anderson, Carolina wide receiver one, right? We, We saw those a million times. But as we know, Robbie Anderson will be a free agent at the end of this season. He'll be 29 next year. This is why. This is why. That's the age 25 season for DJ Moore. Wheels all the way up, baby. Just maybe not this year. So what?
0: We had these guys for their career. It's dynasty.
1: It's coming. And I think there's also this built-in fear, this irrational fear that Terrace Marshall was drafted. And Terrace Marshall plays inside and outside. So he can play the slot, which is something that Robbie Anderson was already doing at a rate higher than DJ Moore. I'm not worried about this. Shameful. Yeah, this this team had three guys that already had over hundred targets last year with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not worried about it. Breaking news. Uh oh.
0: Christopher Harris will be conducting an AMA on Dynasty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do we already break this?
0: <laughs> Breaking news, guys! Hey, guys! We got a Christopher Harris coming on. Going to do an AMA. Get excited.
1: I thought we already broke this. No.
0: Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell says he's 100% healthy. This is the benefit of tearing your ACL at the beginning of the season. Not the end. Poor Rashad Penny tears his ACL in December. Fucked. Tear your ACL in September, you're okay. You're okay. Paris Campbell now, 100%. You famously adore Paris Campbell. But, but... Michael Pittman is also recovering because he suffered from compartment syndrome last year. That cost Hakeem Nix his career, and Michael Pittman played through it. So it's not a sure thing that Paris Campbell's just going to walk right into that old T.Y. Hilton role. The roles are all up for grabs this year. It just depends on how the coaches envision Paris Campbell being deployed. This is another one of those open questions. That I'm excited to learn more about monitoring training camp. How are the Colts going to use Paris Campbell? And who should you be targeting in trade? Should you be going after Campbell? Should you be
1: going after Pittman? One of these two guys is going to be a value. I mean, Campbell has to be the guy that's the value, right? I mean, we're, we're looking at him a couple years into the league. The injuries, the questions about production. Guys have been drafted around him. I'm not worried about Paris Campbell necessarily. We saw him open up week one, you know, nine targets, I think six catches for 71. We thought that this was going to be that breakout that we had been waiting on. And then the very unfortunate injury, which happens to happen to a guy that's ultra athletic, probably one of the most athletic wide receivers in the entire league, but he's not 24 years old yet. You know, so this is a guy that I'd like to get behind Michael Pittman being so fresh from his most recent draft class, I think hurts via a perspective value. I think people are going to look at that, look at the draft pick, look where he was selected, look at the age and go, hey, I think I value this guy more. I haven't seen enough from him. He's sort of the newest horse in the stable. I'm going to go with this guy. But we still have Pittman rated ahead of Paris Campbell. Pittman has more draft capital.
0: They had similar prospect profiles, similar ratings on the breakout finder, but Pittman's younger. And he commanded that alpha role last year. He seized it. And Paris Campbell has never done that right now because Philip Rivers doesn't have the arm strength to push the ball to the outside. Well, Michael Pittman ran a lot of empty calorie routes last year. So his target rate was very low, but his snap share was high and he was matched up against opposing alpha cornerbacks. I believe they're going to do the same thing this year, but that could all be set up. To funnel targets to Campbell and Hilton that's how I would do it just like if I were running the offense in Carolina I would have Robbie Anderson posted up outside I'd let him absorb the opposing team's number one corner in order to manufacture maximum targets on drag routes and slant routes and option routes for DJ Moore I think that's how you optimize the offense similarly in Indianapolis your offense isn't best when Michael Pittman is Is hogging the targets if you can find a way to get Paris Campbell in space to get T.Y. Hilton loose I think that's how you maximize your offense's efficiency so I hope that happens but all else equal I I would still rather have Michael Pittman
1: that's yeah I mean that's exactly how it should be ranked obviously Pittman should be the more valuable of the two assets that's why I I thought Paris Campbell was the least expensive of the two but With Pittman, there's a chance that he is a lot like Cortland Sutton in this offense, and we're going to lose T.Y. Hilton here at the end of this year. I mean, he's 32. He's going to be 33 next year. Short of him just continuously signing one-year deals or short-term deals with the Colts, he's going to be gone. So this is an offense that should see an uptick in the passing game with Carson Wentz. We know that the running game is going to be strong. We like this offensive line. We've talked about this. Carson Wentz behind a solid offensive line could be exciting so I think that Paris Campbell this year will be the value going into the season until the buzz starts Michael Pittman should be the more expensive asset and if we fast forward a year there's no TY Hilton that's a great point see you're good at this you're, you're so you're 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 good at this what I do what I do
0: you need to get Paris Campbell before the training camp buzz before the gifs start getting posted on social media he's so explosive. He shows better in training camp. So you need to make sure you get that guy that's going to show well in training camp. I can't think of a player
1: right now. If I, if I thought all the players, Paris Campbell shows the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, all it takes is a couple clips, right? Him, him burning a corner. That was some crazy catch at the sidelines. I mean, there's a lot of sort of Odell Beckham kind of excitement to him, to me, that he's got this explosiveness and he could become a name. And again, like Miles Sanders, if you're going to bet on a guy, bet on a guy with extreme athleticism that's you know performed in college to a degree and is on an offense that really there's, there's not that many weapons. I, again, Pittman, Hilton's going away, so I would get my hands on him.
0: This is an offense to target, because there are no valuable premium assets outside Jonathan Taylor. Everyone else is discounted, including Michael Pittman. It's this Goddamn wig. I' so hot. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, I couldn't do it. I, I feel like I, my head was on fire, man.
1: I can't believe you made it an hour. Oh my God. Oh my
0: God, I, I do. I just I couldn't breathe. Oh my God. feels so much better. Oh wow. They're brutal. So brutal. But Michael Pittman exemplifies why the 2020 rookie class was so much better than the 2021 class. I keep, hear, I keep hearing that this 2021 class was superior to last year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You realize the wide receivers that were available in the second round? LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins. What? Get out of here. Get out of here. Real alpha profile receivers. Find me a wide receiver with an alpha profile in the 2021 class. You have to squint, right? They were available in the third round last year in Brian Edwards. So it was much deeper, much more impressive wide receiver class. And the running back class was just as stockpiled with studs as you could possibly imagine. It's nothing like 2021. In fact, I contend that the 2021 rookie class, we could be looking up in a couple of years and Najee Harris
1: is Josh Jacobs and Travis Etienne is Miles Sanders. I mean, it's it's not an impossibility, but the question is, based on your evaluations, do you look at these? I mean, are you looking at Najee Harris today going, I don't believe he's going to be great? Because I mean, this is really the time that we have to make this decision. And I think that with where Pittsburgh took him and his skill set and the production that we've seen I think he's going to be good in Pittsburgh but it's not it's not wrong to believe that that is a potential outcome but it's tough to not make that call right now And then Michael Carter would be Devin Singletary. We've got to make sure we
0: have Christopher Harris represented.
1: <laughs> Did you hear he's doing an AMA? <laughs> wow well, yeah yeah guys breaking news <laughs> keep breaking it permission to get
0: excited <laughs> Christopher Harris, AMA, talking all about Devin Singletary's Florida Atlantic tape. And the depth last year, so much greater. Think about the running backs that were available in the second, third, and fourth round even. You had Zach Moss. Zach Moss has a workhorse profile. And he's going to be the starting running back in what could be the NFL's most prolific offense. So even though I know, 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 Josh Allen's going to score some touchdowns. I know he's going to vulture touchdowns from Zach Moss. That's already built in to the projections. Yes, we're assuming that. And even when you assume X touchdowns in the red zone getting pulled away by Josh Allen, Zach Moss is still a screaming value. If he breaks out just moderately, his dynasty value doubles. And you know what his cards are going for? Have you seen his cards? PSA 10 rookie card for
1: $7. bucks. they are trading his rookie cards like common cards. In the card world, it's so similar to dynasty. And that's why on the podcast we do on this network, Clear the Cash, we try to weaponize people with their dynasty knowledge and take that into the field of cards to make money. Because really, just like you're saying, you know why Zach Moss is underpriced. Because he's undervalued in dynasties, undervalued in a world of perception, because even more so than dynasty players that don't really know what they're doing, card enthusiasts definitely don't have the foresight to go, oh, if this guy, if it all clicks, you know, in this offense, he could be a value. Right. The card
0: collector is all about the trailing indicators instead of the forward-looking indicators.
1: Oftentimes that's the case, and that's why there's so much value to be had and money to be made for people that want to play a quick short game, or if you just want to get your hands in on players that you like, you can do it inexpensively by playing timelines just like you do in Dynasty.
0: Yeah, so the next debate that you find yourself in, the 2021 versus the 2020 class, Zach Moss and Michael Pittman are the reasons why the 2020 class was superior to 2021. The depth was unprecedented. Now, I've noticed your podcast with Jesse, the Clear of the Cash. You talk a lot about Julio Jones because you've penciled him into the Hall of Fame. And then it's exploitable because some don't realize that he's bound for the Hall of Fame. So get Julio Jones cards. But when I'm listening to your show, I'm immediately thinking ahead, thinking, well, who's on our trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame? But it's a dangerous game because you don't want to start extrapolating too early. You might go and hoard all the Odell Beckham rookie cards. What's the market for Odell Beckham cards looked like the last couple of years?
1: Not so good, right? I mean, it, it hurt when he left New York and went to the Browns. It hurt when he got injured. This is a guy in Odell Beckham that short of injuries, he would have a thousand yards plus every single season of his entire career. And you know, we talk about in the in the card world how iconic moments um, drive up the perception and the you know, the the way that a player is ah, idolized, yes. right? And that classic catch by Odell, the single handed touchdown catch in the end zone. I mean, that is that, that memory will stick around forever. And he was riding that wave, but with these injuries and playing in Cleveland, sort of that sexiness has really worn off. He's a brown. He's a brown. It's unfortunate. He's
0: a brown. But we're hoping that he takes the Browns to the Super Bowl this year. its I mean,
1: it's, it's possible, I guess. Pittsburgh's not going. I got, oh, whoa, it's still going.
0: Oh, we've got some insider knowledge. Uh Uh-oh. From du 27 Uh Uh-oh. He says, a buddy of mine works for the Colts and was touting all the crazy plays that Paris Campbell was making in training camp last year. See? See? This is what I'm talking about. It's where it happens. You see? This is what? This is it! Podfather, no shit.
1: It's happening.
0: I'm not as savvy in the card game as you and Jesse Bach. So I'm thinking ahead, thinking... Devontae Adams has to be on the Hall of Fame watch. Michael Thomas on the Hall of Fame watch. And Mike Evans, another wide receiver, on the Hall of Fame watch. Of
1: those three, who's the clearest lock to make the Hall of Fame? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think Michael Thomas is going to probably have the shortest level of production versus the other two who are probably going to have longer you know, years in the league overall. But uh, to me, Devontae Adams... Production-wise, skill-wise, memory-wise, is the guy that's number one in this list. But Mike Evans could have another Super Bowl ring this year. It's entirely possible that they go back. That's the thing,
0: right? That's the thing. If Mike Evans gets multiple Super Bowls plus finishes top 10
1: in career receiving yards, how can you deny him? You can't. And when we look at the value of cards in particular, it's one thing for... A rookie card to have a particular price tag and you question why is it so expensive well you have to look at the population count of a card because in mike evans case if we're looking at his tops chrome refractor psa 10 there's only 79 that have been graded by psa so you got to look at the pop count that's really really low and that card right now is selling at an average price of about 137 dollars, which is ultra cheap so this is this is kind of the baseline for his rookies. And as you know, if you've done any looking at this, from here we go up to different levels, autographs, more rare, right? Serial numbered. So of these three guys, that would probably be my order. For me, it would be Devontae, Evans, and then we mentioned the other guy would be Michael Thomas. But if Evans wins another one, I think you probably have to go Evans, Devontae, Michael Thomas.
0: Right, so it's another one of those situations where We may not be bullish on a player this year. We're not bullish on Mike Evans this year. We have him a full round below consensus on the world famous draft kit cheat sheet, playerprofiler.com forward slash draft kit. But we're bullish on his career trajectory and his overall resume for his rookie card value going up. Even if you're not drafting him on underdog, that's the difference.
1: Yeah, and you can use ADP values to help sort of understand what maybe market perception is. Again, dynasty players are so much sharper than just your typical sports card enthusiast. Much sharper. And again, this is why it's such a such an, an advantage. You're spending time researching for football once you turn that into an opportunity to make some money as well. Um, but you look at Mike Evans. He's going in, what, between the 6th and 8th round of Superflex Titan Premium League. So he's already seen... Sort of his his perception amongst the crowd start to oh his dynasty ADP is falling. It's falling, and you know I understand the concern. We don't know necessarily maybe what his upside and target share will be. Relatively, we can look back to last season and make some assumptions. One hundred and nine targets last year, full sixteen games. His career has been incredible, though. I mean, I'm glad he got a Super Bowl ring, and it's entirely possible he gets another. Keenan Allen is more than a year older than Mike Evans. And we
0: have him rated higher in Dynasty Leagues because the probability that Keenan Allen facilitates a fantasy championship in 2021 is significantly higher than Mike Evans. Keenan Allen's going to go out and win you some leagues if he stays healthy for 16 games. Mike Evans is going to be competing with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and Chris Godwin and now Giovanni Bernard. I mean, it's hard to map out a path where Mike Evans is helping you win leagues a lot easier to imagine a world where Keenan Allen is the difference maker at wide receiver.
1: And you can also make the argument that, you know, short of Mike Evans going with the Vincent Jackson trajectory timeline, where he plays well beyond what we maybe thought he was expected to play plays to age 32, 33. I think Keenan Allen sticks around for a while. So Uh, He's probably fairly ranked in dynasty if he's around, you know, wide receiver 18 to 22 or somewhere in that range. And he's a guy that could be playing to 32, 33 and still be a, you know, short area guy that's hogging targets. And exactly to your point, he's going to be a game changer this year. And with Mike Williams leaving next year, that's why we love Josh Palmer. But irrespective of that, the target share in this offense for the Chargers is going to be heavily swayed in Keenan Allen's area. Yeah, we're
0: going to have a debate very soon about DeAndre Hopkins or Keenan Allen. They're the same age. Hopkins has been more productive for a longer period of time,
1: but these two could be ships passing in the night in Dynasty. Yeah, I think I think the conversation that's going to come up is which one of these two players do we see playing longer and, and more productively? And I think for me, with no crystal ball in front of me to look into the future, my vote would be Keenan Allen. There was a lot of injury issues early on, right? The way that Stafford was perceived, you kind of got that with Keenan Allen. He was injury prone.
0: Right, right. He was always breaking his collarbone, right? Similar to Stafford.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he had weak bone structure. Uh, it's it's always something, but since then, he's been all. <laughs> Is that a thing? No, they're random injuries. I know. I'm just, come on. You drank water and delayed my whole
0: joke. Now, we talk about wide receivers and running backs. But in the card game, quarterbacks are on a completely different level. So it's really the opposite of single quarterback leagues. <laughs> the polar opposite of single quarterback leagues is the card market. So you're thinking about, well, who could pop at quarterback? And I naturally gravitate to Tua Tongovaloa, but is he too obvious? Are his cards not actually available at a discount,
1: even though you might think they are? They are not available at a discount, but by comparison, they are. And and I'll explain why. When you think about Tua, from a dynasty standpoint, we were worried uh, a few months ago that maybe there was the chance that Miami took all of its picks and Tua traded for Russell Wilson or they were going to draft somebody else. There was a lot of concern that Tua, even Tua came out and said he wasn't sure what Miami thought about him and what his role would be. Well, he also said that he
0: didn't bother to learn the playbook last year. He admitted that. That was a strange admission.
1: (laughs) I mean, that might be... It's Look, it's his team this year. We know that when you look at Tua, just to give you perspective on this, when you look at Tua's card prices, and I'm going to look at his his, uh, Prism Silver PSA 10s, basically they're going for about $1,299. Whoa! When you look at his value in the card world... Tua's value has barely moved whatsoever. His peak value is about $1,400 for his rookie card. So let's compare him to somebody like Joe Burrow. Right now, Joe Burrow's same card is going for about $2,800 with a peak of $3,200. So twice as much, right? So twice as much, but you got to ask yourself, what's the difference? Is it perception or is it reality? Whoa!
0: So I'm saying. You could easily see Tua having a better year this year than Joe Burrow. And then it could flip because he does have the Alabama resin. He went to Alabama, man. It's, it's true. Tua Veloa, man. He went to Alabama. <laughs> Got to get you some Tua. He had a draft capital. Got the Alabama helmet, crimson Tide, man. And now he has the weapons, right? Miami upgraded literally every position on that offense. That's why I think that Tua is an attractive ad in the card market, in Dynasty, everywhere. I just think about the what-if, right? The what-if, the what-if. Clicie alert! The what-if Miami played their cards right. Well done. In the draft, because they could have had Sewell and Terrace Marshall. Like, why is no one talking about this? If they had taken their heads out of their asses and not drafted a 5'10 speedster in the top 10, as if that lesson hasn't been learned 17 different times by different NFL franchises, if they just not done that and taken the clear best player available at the most valuable position other than quarterback, because they already had their quarterback, they would have gone with Pene Sewell, and then they could have had Terrace Marshall in the second round, man. But no, no, no. No, no. They had to do it backwards. And if you reverse the sequence, you end up with Jalen Waddle instead and no Sewell. So they have Waddle instead. And
1: you do love Waddle, right? I think I think Waddle's undervalued. I, I do. I think you go back to last season in college football, and I've gone on record to saying this way too many times. If he doesn't get hurt Devonta Smith never wins the Heisman, and he he already got himself drafted ultra-highly, despite the fact that there was injuries and missed time and a lack of production. He wouldn't have been drafted any higher, necessarily. I think this is always kind of where we expected him to go, but I just think that not enough was revealed about his profile last season.
0: He's a black-box prospect. You don't draft a black-box prospect in the top ten. You don't do that, Miami. Miami focuses on all the right details, but they're allowed to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Miami drafting Jalen Waddell shows no front office is perfect. But we have Waddell ranked ahead of Terrace Marshall because he has the first round draft capital. I think Terrace Marshall was a more impressive prospect, but the analytics tell you that if a wide receiver is drafted in the top 10, they're going to get more immediate opportunity and the probability is much higher that they end up breaking out. That's just... What the numbers tell us when we detach ourselves from how good Terrace Marshall looked in prime time and, and not obsess over the gaps in the Jalen Waddle profile, Will Fuller is a rental. Devontae Parker is one of the most unreliable wide receivers in the history of the NFL. So that means it's going to be the Tua to Waddle show for years. We talk about all the the, the rapport that that Jamar Chase has with Joe Burrow. You know, Nate, that's his college quarterback, right? Did you know that? I did know that. There should be as much discussion of the fact that Jalen Waddell has his college quarterback now as well. So I like
1: Jalen Waddell for a lot of those reasons, and the rapport is a factor. Uh, The target share could be there, too. Again, you know, Devontae Parker, as you mentioned, it's a great point. He has been ultra unreliable. He does have an injury history. He's been up and down. He's a great player, but... Doesn't love football. He has admitted this. He's admitted this. Sammy Watkins has admitted this.
0: Players will come out eventually and speak honestly. Like Tua did it. (laughs) I forgot to learn the playbook. Sorry. Mulligan on 2020, please. Mulligan. Right? He wasn't even bad, though. That's the thing. Right. Tua's advanced metrics on a per-game basis were above average. And if you're a rookie and you're above average across a number of key advanced metrics, then that's a great sign. Unfortunately, Tua has at least one wide receiver in his passing game that doesn't love football. But to go from Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant and whoever the hell they had out there last year, from Lynn Bowden, a converted running back, to Isaiah Ford, an undrafted free agent, just patching together a receiving core, now they have all this depth. They have Waddle behind Fuller, and they have Devontae Parker. They have Mike Gusecki, and now they have Hunter Long, too. They have depth at all these positions. They upgraded literally every position, and I love the Hunter Long pick. You see this. Having multiple tight ends that can catch the ball, as long as one of them can block, you're putting defenses in an impossible position. That's why the Patriots went out and overspent on Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And Miami said, well, actually, we'll spend a lot less, and we'll get Hunter Long. Thanks.
1: It's impressive. And, again, that's from an offense in college that doesn't throw the ball that much. I mean, it's it's not a big passing game there. So, Gaseki, we love. This could, be, this could be a great duo at the tight end position. You know, again, Gaskin is a guy that we'll probably talk about one day in the future. We've talked about before. But this offense as a whole has weapons at every level of the field, and they have a lot of speed. Uh, So it makes it exciting to own the running back in Miami as well, knowing that there could be a lot of stretch plays. And these two tight ends, if they get involved, I mean, this could be really dangerous. They could both play outside. Hunter Long has a
0: 100-speed score, which is 65th percentile among tight ends. But you look at the yards per reception in college, in 2019, the year he broke out at Boston College at over 500 yards in what was a low-scoring offense, 18.2 yards per reception. Like This guy gets down the seam, man. He's one of the few tight ends comparable to Jason Witten on Player Profiler. Every tight end premium league I'm in, I was zeroing in on Hunter Long in the third round of rookie drafts. And the running back position, too, like you said, Miles Gaskin is highly underrated. And they look at the college profile – Miles Gaskin is one of only a handful of running backs to ever rush for 1,200 yards in four consecutive seasons in college. So I know that he was a day three pick, but of all the day three picks, Miles Gaskin has the fewest weaknesses. He's the opposite of a black box prospect. He's a box stuffing prospect. And he just happened to fall late into day three. And then Miami realizes, oh, we have a bird in the hand here, right? We have a bird in hand. That's the name of the show. Miles Gaskin, bird in hand. Well done. Good job. They have a bird in the hand. Miles Gaskin, they're not going to go ahead and just, like Jacksonville, just taking that bird in the hand and just smashing it and crushing it. Say, Fuck you, bird in the hand. We're going to waste a first round pick. They didn't do that, does so it? We have the bird. The whole point of having the bird in the hand is that you can leverage that to then focus on other positions as Jacksonville should have done and continued to ride James Robinson. Now, I understand that you didn't want them riding James Robinson because you had all those takes on all those podcasts and all those tweets. I get it. Sell James Robinson. You were ecstatic when they drafted Travis Etienne. But from a front office decision-making perspective, it was a truly abominable decision by Jacksonville. Conversely, Miami is allowed to make a mistake if they're not going to be drafting running back until... The seventh round, Jared Dokes. That's when you have full permission to draft a running back, Miami. Jared Dokes is explosive. He has an 87th percentile burst score. He's best comparable to TJ Yeldon in a good way. If you have size and explosiveness, you can find your way on an NFL field easily. So I like the pick of Jared Dokes, but he's not a threat to Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin's going to be the man. We're around ahead of consensus, like we're around behind consensus on our world famous draft kit cheat sheet on a Mike Evans, on a DJ Moore. We're well ahead of consensus on Miles Gaskin. The world has not woken up to Miles Gaskin yet. It's time to get woke to what Miles Gaskin can do. This guy was James Robinson in fewer games. If you want James Robinson in a 10 game sample, that was Miles
1: Gaskin last year. Yeah. It. I mean, again, this offense hasn't even really opened up yet. We haven't even begun to see what the potential is for it this year. And again, if you're stretching defenses with all these weapons on all these different levels, it opens up the run game. And Tua is not the definition of a mobile quarterback. So you don't have to worry about, again, the same thing you do with J.K. Dobbins because of Lamar Jackson, that extra defender. It's a little different. So I think there are more advantages to having a guy like Tua – that to me compares more to a Russell Wilson can run v- via necessity, but it isn't always the game plan to run on every play. And I think that's going to help Miles Gaskin. It's going to be exciting.
0: Miles Gaskin, 4.7 targets per game. Let me say that again. <laughs>
1: Miles Gaskin, 4.7 targets per game. Whoa. That's more targets per game than Miles Sanders, 4.3. <gasps> so there you go. Could he be the better Miles? Please, no. I mean, I don't think so. No, I don't want to
0: live in a world where Miles Gaskin is better than Miles Sanders, but Miles Gaskin does have four times as many dominant rushing seasons in college as Miles
1: Sanders. So Anything's possible, but I wouldn't adjust my dynasty rankings just yet.
0: Miles Gaskin does have four times as many dominant rushing seasons in college as Miles Sanders, so
1: anything's possible. But I wouldn't adjust my dynasty rankings just yet.
0: That's the show. Thank you to Kevin Smick on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Podfather, Patreon.com forward slash I'm Outraged. We talked about your victory lapping on James Robinson. These never get old. These messages that we get laying out the trade scenarios that unfolded where our listeners are members of our audience traded james robinson at his absolute zenith what they were able to do with that trade chip that you recommended be dealt listen to this kevin smick writes i know you don't care about our fantasy teams that's true but you and Nate mentioned my trade of James Robinson for Ayuk and the 105 on the podcast, and I just want to fill you guys in on how it played out. This is Superflex. He trades James Robinson for Ayuk and the 105. He then traded the 105, which ended up being Najee Harris, for the 311 and Antonio Gibson and the 211. He then flipped the 211 for Tony Pollard. How about them Cowboys? So, in summary, he trades James Robinson in
1: the 311 for Ayuk, Antonio Gibson, and Tony Pollard. That's so ridiculous. And we're about to step into a 17-game season where Tony Pollard <laughs> is going to be startable every week. Tony Pollard's taking reps at wide receiver. So he's
0: going to have standalone value. That's the difference between Tony Pollard and a guy like A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is still a straight handcuff, but Tony Pollard has standalone value. It's a guy you can play in flex When you need him, who could be an absolute RB1 league winner, right? So Ezekiel Elliott sprains his toe
1: in week 15. Tony Pollard goes out and wins your leagues. But let me ask you this question. Even outside of an injury to Zeke, let's say Zeke isn't the elite producer that he's been. Let's let's say he's still his top 15 level running back in the league. He's going to have an amazing
0: year. I need to put this out there. We have Ezekiel Elliott ranked ahead of Derrick Henry in seasonal leagues. It's going to be on. I agree. It's going to be on. Ezekiel Elliott could lead the league in touchdowns. He's going to have a monster year in that offense. I'm just hypothetical here. And let's even say he's play- Okay, no, no. Even better. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You can like both players, you can love Pollard and Elliott. The offense is so voluminous that it can support two
1: running backs without the dreaded handcuff label. But it, I think that it's not going to be a handcuff. And actually, your scenario is even better. Let's say Zeke is playing incredibly top five football at the position. He's in outer space. Okay. You're the Dallas Cowboys. You've paid this guy a shitload of money, and you know your team is playoff bound. We know they're playing 17 games. Tony Pollard was already seeing over 100 touches a year in 16 games. Do you agree that Dallas may throttle Zeke back on total? Like, Okay, so the NBA is incredibly conscious about minutes played per game for basketball players, right? There's, there's a history of injury potential. There's sort of this threshold of how many minutes a game you would play to prevent future injuries. With a guy like Zeke short of them needing it, don't you think Tony Pollard will get more opportunity as more games have been added to the schedule and you want to keep Zeke fresh and his contract's enormous going into the playoffs?
0: And if they've a winning record and they think they're going to make the playoffs, then they would wind his
1: touches down at the end of the season as well. I, I think they get wound down a little bit throughout the whole year. I just think that there's too much risk asking him to play another full game plus the playoffs. And then you heard the rumors, which we could talk about on another show, that in twenty twenty four this league will go to eighteen games potentially. So that's a whole nother thing.
0: Oh baby. Yeah, and we don't sure if Ezekiel Elliott's gonna be a cowboy then because they have an out in twenty twenty three. So we know Elliott's gonna be a cowboy for two years. And then in 2023, there is a giant gaping out in Ezekiel Elliott's contract and Tony Pollard will be a free agent.
1: If between now and then they extend Tony Pollard, his dynasty value just. That's what you have to do. Extend him on the cheap while he's he's still there. You've got to extend Tony Pollard now. They learned their lesson. Yeah. Waiting to extend Zeke
0: Pollard hasn't been paid yet. He was a day three pick will appreciate the extension that was a great show very efficient good stuff we had flames coming out of our ears and mouth and nose my whole head all over all over the place we did a great job let's say goodbye to the stream stream you were great thank you for uh helping oh, thank you for your patience with the sound effects it's a work in progress Just like Nate's studio is a work in progress. It's going to be sick. He's putting a TV in the background. It's going to be great. It's
1: coming together.
0: I'm adding more uh, caricature drawings of my face. Bye. (laughs) No way. Show sheet is ready. (laughs) It's going to be a good show. We've got the Dynasty Turds coming up next yeah you know, i love that voice We're gonna give you that voice today oh my god i got it i got a little bit of everything josh came on the uh, show killed it we, we live ratioed on air a tweet from fantasy pros they came out with dynasty valuations that didn't make any sense and made your team worse josh live ratioed it. if you go to this josh larky tweet where he's asking all these questions about these passive aggressive questions about their rankings that has more likes than the actual post. <laughs> and then, of course, there's all these fake retweets because, you know, Fantasy Pros has its bots retweeting it. I'm still not sure Mike Tagliere is a real human being.
1: I mean, why wouldn't
0: he be? I think he's a cyborg invented by Fantasy Pros to be their analyst. He's just an amalgam of all other analysts.
1: It's entirely possible.
0: He's a computer program.
1: Unlikely.
0: It's entirely possible that Mike Tagliere is a computer program. Yeah. <laughs> Would you put it past fantasy pros to do that?
1: At this point, everybody's looking for an edge, so no, I don't put it past them.
0: I emailed Ryan about doing a show this weekend, and he's ghost and he's ghosting me. He's letting you know where you stand in his world, Matt Kelly. Ryan is ghosting me. Uh. My daughter's on this travel soccer team, and you know, legs got tangled up. She fell down. Somebody scored on her, and then this girl who was like the captain of this unorganized scrimmage benched her, but it's a practice. It's not a real game. Right. This isn't the NFL, where you get benched for fumbling. This is a practice. Like, if you make a mistake, you need to keep practicing so you can get better. And then, so this girl insulted her and told her she wasn't good, and that she wasn't gonna rotate out, and that she had to stay out, she wasn't gonna rotate back in, and... My daughter gets into the car and and she was holding it in the whole time that she was furious and upset. Then she gets in the car and she just lets it all out. And you're just, as a parent, you're just emotionally crushed. Right. You're just emotionally crushed. Right. And that's why I just can't take Ryan seriously because he doesn't have any children. There's this whole other mode that humans are able to get to, this place we're able to go emotionally because we have children. And it's just so difficult to take Ryan seriously when he's talking about how anxious he is about all the things he has going on and it's like dude you don't have kids <laughs> what are you talking about right you have no like, So, so he has no so only parents know that feeling when their child is in distress that it's it supersedes any feeling you ever had about yourself just one of the many reasons it's hard to take Ryan
1: seriously. I mean, that's a, it's a great point, though, about the whole kid thing. When when your kid feels pain or especially something like that, not even like falling down and physically getting hurt, but seeing them in emotional pain like that is just such another level of just. She
0: was humiliated. Yeah. If you see, Watching your child react to being humiliated yeah. is
1: soul crushing. Absolutely. In a way that nothing that happens to you could ever be. Yeah, no way. Not, not a chance. And I know people like you and me, most things. And then and then Ryan's like, oh, the Henry Ruggs pick. And I'm like,
0: fuck, <laughs> Jesus, Ryan. You have no idea.
1: And the grand scheme. You've never
0: felt real pain,
1: Henry Ruggs. <laughs> never felt real pain. No, it's true, man. You're right. I've listened to my daughter tell me stories about, you know, kids not being nice. And I try and teach her like, you know, these things don't matter. And just you know, be a good person and this and that, but like you didn't show her the chokehold. I've had some conversations with her that you know, here is the order of operations: a kid's not being nice. You know, we say you know, please don't touch me, please leave me alone. It happens again. We go to the teacher. It happens again, and the teacher does nothing about it. I'll speak with the teacher. Happens again. Beyond that, break their fucking arm. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's where it's going.
0: You know what I taught my daughter very early on was to punch. In the neck.
1: <laughs> That'll do it.
0: If you're in a physical altercation and you want to get out of it, make impact with or put pressure on the trachea. It'll do it. Right here. Yeah. And that will do it. It will certainly do it. Find a way to smash that thing. This is the ultimate soft spot on the human body. Go violently at that spot if you're ever in a compromising situation. The, the two most important
1: targets would be... Messing with an airway and sustained pain. Like when you were, when you've, last time you've been kicked in the nuts, any guy knows that is like you writhe in pain. But if you can't breathe, if you're struggling for air, that will change your whole trajectory. But with my daughter, I'm just trying to teach her like conflict resolution. Like we only put up with it for so long, but I want to at least, if you do push or punch or react, I want to at least be able to go to the teacher and look, this is, we did these things. You did nothing about it. So, This is why we're here. You know, I just, it can't be step one. You can't throat punch. Someone taps you on the shoulder and you punch him in the throat. That can't be step one.
0: Ryan's emailed me back. He says, I'm going to try for next week, man. What does that mean? He's going to try for next week. He's going to try. We'll see what the week brings. It's an hour on the phone. It's an hour phone call.
1: Listen, we'll see what the week brings.
0: Uh, did, Did he become the CEO of Apple and nobody told me?
1: I don't
0: don't know. Maybe. This guy,
1: he's so busy. He's got so much going on. Yeah. No, I just... uh, He's a good guy. I don't know. He is a busy guy, apparently. Very busy. All right. So, listen. The only person that's ever been punched in
0: the trachea by my daughter is me. Yeah, well... You know, in training. Right. Because sometimes I forgot that I taught her that. So, she just... And then like, ah! <coughs> Jesus Christ!
1: I a bunch.
0: Jesus fuck! That hurts! I can't breathe! What are you doing nice. to me? Oh, that's right. This is what I told you to do.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> you did it exactly right. <laughs> We're
0: live, suckers. What's up, people? Who's gonna warming up this voice, man? Shock jock! Uh,
1: yeah. I was just telling Matt a couple minutes ago he's so in character that he was literally brushing his hair away from his face as if this is his real hair he didn't even notice he's so in character right now
0: <laughs> we're gonna have a good show bringing on the people from Periscope and YouTube and maybe Facebook maybe not for a little pre-show pre-show no no that, no. we just had the pre-show pre-show you have to tune into the podcast you have the pre-show pre-show this is the pre-show right it gets confusing there's so many levels to the pre-show that's right we have multiple levels of pre-show and my head is very hot i don't think i can do a whole show like this these wigs are very hot they're made of polyester It's not not breathable this is not a breathable wig
1: bro this is why i ditched the wigs a long time ago oh you that's right you were doing wigs back in the day remember were too hot man that's those first breakout finder pods you were going you're going full wig i was like this is too much i gotta bring back i have a character i plan to do some interviews i did this that glenn booker character i'm bringing him back but not just yet glenn
0: booker that's right i had my parents here this weekend and we were on the the karaoke machine and we, we busted out the wigs for karaoke nice. made a lot of sense
1: yeah of course,
0: and then I was like, "Why am I not using these wigs more in my daily entertainment life?" They, <laughs> they add a level. I don't have a, a red one like that, or whatever that is. I, I didn't know. I just found this. My dad was wearing this. Wow, just buried. You believe it? My dad was wearing this. He didn't. He didn't get up there though. Oh, to singing it. His favorite song is his favorite song is "Mr. Jones" by the Counting Crows. We didn't get him up there. We could. We even we downloaded "Mr. Jones." We had it playing. Let La, la 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 yeah. And then he he wouldn't, you know, so I had to do it. Does
1: Mr. Kelly have some pipes or no? Doesn't, does We don't know. We don't know. No, we don't know. Knows. We were trying
0: to find out. We don't I just did the I decided just to do the the, the fifth song in a row that I did
1: okay <laughs> they couldn't the thing's addicting they, they couldn't get me off the mic i was like one more it, it, which is funny because i know the feeling we gotta
0: do it We, we do my third garth brooks song i want to do rodeo now I, I just did friends in low places well it ain't no woman flesh and blood it's that damn old rodeo
1: oh well it's balls and blood it's a dust and mud it's a roar of a sunday crowd I'm literally everybody in that karaoke audience on this episode.
0: Wanted Dead or Alive? Oh, my God. So good. See, the thing is, like, it's his guitar. You get it? Yeah, no, we get it. It's a steel horse that he rides.
1: Oh, no, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted!
0: Uh. Dead or Alive. All right, so I guess we have a show here. sing singing in the chat. I'm a cowboy. That's right, dead and
1: alive. I have to change the words up. A little I was gonna bit. say that doesn't sound right. We, we can go live, live. Uh, aren't we're not live, live right now? This is still pre-show. We
0: did pre-show, pre-show. Now this is pre-show, and we haven't gone live. Have you said welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty
1: podcast yet? I never know where we're at with this show. I'm I'm in a perpetual state of confusion.
0: What do you mean? You're the host. You know. You know where we're at because you have to bring us in. We've never done a show where you haven't brought us in unless you weren't the host. I've never hosted this
1: show a day in my life. I've never hosted this show for a goddamn day in my life. Your use of hosting the show feels like when a guy retires with a team he hasn't played for for six years, he just signs a one-day contract so he can retire with them. That's what... Me hosting the show technically is. I have to hold my, my earphones on my wig
0: because they'll slide right off this polyester wig. If I tilting my my head back just to drink water,
1: I have to hold the wig on and the earphones in place. <laughs> well, you better be a fucking camel this episode then.
0: Shockingly, we've manufactured quite a bit of content. Let's do it. Let, let's go live. <laughs> oh, Oh, this failed! Oh somebody got Oh, it's because we were doing karaoke. Oh no, I was doing piano, man. I think it filled up with saliva. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, let's try to blow this thing out. <coughs> Something's wrong. <coughs> Something's wrong right in there, right in these notes. Look. <coughs>
1: Something's in there. Something got in there. That is like the musician's snot rocket, what you just did right there. You just tried to blow shit out the other side of it. The, the funny thing
0: is, since my nephews left, everything that's out of place or broken, we, we always blame my nephews. I'm like, oh, they they probably stuck a piece of gum in there or something. Right. Scapegoat. <laughs> right. I'll always blame the nephews when they leave. They secretly sabotaged everything
1: in the house on their way out. Okay. All right, I'm starting this show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. Break their fucking arm. <laughs> I mean, that's where it's going.
0: It took them more than a month to like circle back that we won, that we were right. Keep talking about me. They're obsessed, Nate. I'm counting it down. Three, two, one. Okay, now the Podfather thread starts. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's gonna be a good show.
1: We've got the Dynasty turds coming up next. Break their fucking arm.
0: Yeah, I love that voice. We're gonna give you that voice today. Oh my
1: god, I got it. I got a little bit of everything. That is like the musician snot rocket, what you just did right there.
0: We had these guys for their career, it's dynasty!
1: <laughs> Breaking news,
0: guys! Hey guys, we got a Christopher Harris coming on! Gonna do an AMA! You have no idea! YOU'VE EVER FELT REAL
1: PAIN?! It, which is funny because I know the feeling. Did he become the CEO of Apple and nobody told me? Yeah, I, I'm literally everybody in that karaoke audience on this episode.
0: I'm so hot! Oh my god!
1: This is not a breathable wig, bro. It's entirely possible that Mike
0: Tagliere is a computer program. It's entirely possible. Who's going on? i warming up this voice, man shock jock yeah
1: well you better be a fucking camel this episode then
0: even though i know 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 josh allen's gonna score some touchdowns
1: it gets confusing there's so many levels to the pre-show we've got to make sure we have christopher harris represented you hear he's doing an ama breaking news on dynasty reddit Christopher Harris joined by the Dynasty Nerds. We're not live live right now.
0: And it was like, yay, yay! oh, great. We got Christopher Harris. Wow. We got the Dynasty Nerds to do an AMA. Wow. This is a big deal, guys. It's a big get. It's been hell, but I loved it. We're not live live right now. Because I listened to your Clear the Cash show with Jesse Back. Jesse Back, right? Is it the last name. Bach. Is it Bach? Oh my God! I've been di- see. I did it. Sorry, Jesse. He's
1: not gonna hold it against you whatsoever.
0: Do we have a wait? Do we have a toilet sound effect? Where is it? Do
1: I have it? Hold. Oh, let's see if I have it. I might have one. Here we go.
0: Ready? Well, it starts with a fart. Okay. And then the toilet flushes for a very long time. And then there's another fart. So it's a very long sound effect.
1: We really need to figure out how to do this in real time so I don't have to pretend like it's happening. Just taking that bird in the hand
0: and just smashing it and crushing it. Said, Fuck you, bird in the hand. We're going to waste a first round pick. They didn't do that. doesn't so we have the bird. The whole point of having the bird in the hand is that you can leverage that to then focus on other positions as Jacksonville should have done. <laughs>
1: Uh, oh yeah whoa listen to that it's rewinding oh amazing it's hard man have wearing a lot of these
0: hats so yeah i got this hat on over here you know i'm wearing so many hats i'm producing the show i'm entertaining i'm giving football takes i'm firing off sound effects it's difficult i lost my train of thought for two seconds Let's, let's rewind again we gotta rewind again
1: Why do you have the top
0: hat i'm trying youtube youtube i'm trying to elevate the show we're trying to incorporate comments from the audience i've heard you i'm listening right i'm always lurking listening to comments on every message board as you know sound effects in show live i'm working on it i'm trying to be the producer i'm trying to be the talent I'm working hard for you. I am very talented. I'm about as talented and knowledgeable and polished and entertaining as anyone in this game. But just give me some time to find all my sound effects so I can do it quickly and seamlessly and integrate it into the live broadcast. I'm gonna get there. You know I'm gonna get there. I always get there!
1: Which one of these two players do we see playing longer and and more productively? And I think for me, with no, you know, uh, what is it? No, what the hell is the thing that you look at? Evidence? (laughs) Crystal ball. With no crystal ball. With no crystal ball in front of me to look into the future, my vote would be Keenan Allen. Did you? You couldn't think of the word crystal ball there. I wanted to say magic eight ball. I'm like, no, I don't think that's right. You want to say, ball Okay. Yeah. Wishing well? Yeah, yeah, wishing well. Yeah, yeah. Ask me later. Tua to Tunga Veloa,
0: man, with Alabama. Gotta get you some Tua. You got the draft capital. Got the
1: Alabama helmet, Crimson Tide, man. With no, you know, uh, what is it? No, what the hell is the thing that you look at? If they had taken
0: their heads out of their asses and not drafted a 5'10 speedster in the top 10, as if that lesson hasn't been learned 17 different times. You drank water and delayed my whole joke. The offense is so voluminous. You drank water and delayed my whole joke. What's the best hypothetical injury where, like a broken kneecap, it sounds really painful? You want it to not be painful? How about a torn hamstring? I think a hamstring doesn't actually hurt that much, but you just can't do anything. Like you go to you go to push off and nothing happens.
1: Break their fucking arm.
0: What if Miami played their cards right?
1: Well, you better be a fucking camel this episode then.
0: I am very talented. Breaking news on Dynasty Reddit. Christopher Harris joined by the Dynasty nerds.